0: Welcome back baseball fans to another edition of on deck presented by deep dive sports. We are in episode 12 cannot believe 12 episodes already. So this episode, we're going to be talking about City Connect jerseys. Who's got the best? Who's got the worst? We're going to be talking about some of the uh, schedule changes for Major League Baseball next year and some rule changes that some we've talked about a little bit and some I did not know that was going to happen. So that's going to be some interesting discussions going on. And then we're also going to talk about, uh, you know, we're one and a half months into the trade deadline. So who's made out so far? Who did not? You know, we're going to do one good, one bad. Uh, obviously we're going to do our standings dom is going to have a plethora to talk about about his gm skills with his fantasy league so uh, i cannot wait for that jeff's going to do his baseball card little rundown and then to finish it off we're always going to talk about one fact about baseball something that you guys might not know or did know and we're going to try to stump each other so moving forward Jeff, I'm gonna kind of let you take a little bit of a lead on this. Uh, tell me, what is a City Connect jersey?
1: Yeah, so the City Connect jerseys that they decided to start with last year uh, are supposed to be these jerseys that really connect to your city, kind of have some sort of connection and homage. Uh, you know, so you've seen a lot of stuff with, you know, the different teams. The Miami had a really nice one with honoring some of their old school baseball. Uh, you got the angels with kind of the surfy vibe outfits. You got uh, all kinds of different things going on. You know, San Francisco had the clouds uh, and the golden gate bridge. So a lot of different uh, uniforms that this, that the teams have been able to kind of come up with and do something creative with. And I think most of them are kind of bad, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, I think there's been a lot of misses, but there's been a few hits too.
0: So, so let's talk about your, your hits when it comes to uh, one, what is one hit and then we'll go to your one miss so far.
1: Yeah. My hit from this year's connects that they came out with. I actually love the angels. Uh, Again, it's that like surfy SoCal vibe. It's the relaxed bubbly logo on the front instead of the sharp hardened angels logo that you're used to. And the bubbly a Uh, I just love that off white color, the, pants and the shirt match which some teams just elected to do like white pants with their jerseys which I'm not a big fan of but I think they look clean they got the single asymmetrical uh, armband on the one arm and I love that they have a front number as well under the logo and it's like in a little diamond. I just think they look clean I think they look best on the field so I got the angels for those years.
0: all right what about your
1: your your miss? Big miss for me. It was Milwaukee. I'm when those came out, I was like, "What are these?" <laughs> I mean, they're the. I mean, I I like a powder blue jersey typically, but these ones are just weird looking, especially with the yellow font and the white pants. <laughs> the cap I think is awful. It's the uh, it's supposed to look like the four one four area code, but mixed with the MKE. As an abbreviation for Milwaukee, which isn't even the right abbreviation. <laughs> the abbreviation's MIL. So I thought that was interesting. And this looks really forced. Uh, the logo on the front, this is Brew Crews, like super sharp and condensed. And uh, I'm just not a big fan. The only compliment I have for those jerseys is on the sleeve. They've got this little grill logo that has the stand making a 414. That should have been the cap, and the grill looks like a little baseball. I mean, that was the better part of it, and it's the tiniest part of the jersey. They yeah. kind of kept it hidden.
0: They kind of missed out on that. They had, could have had something good. All right, Dom, uh, with your City Connect jerseys, what is your hit and what is your miss?
2: Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm really not a fan of any of these. Um, there's there's one that I, I, think, I, I think the Angels one is serviceable. I, I could see that. To me, that that looks like a real baseball uniform. I think my favorite out of all of them is probably the White Sox. I like the black with the white pinstripes. It's clean. It's not trying to do too much. Uh, but it looks more like an actual baseball jersey than some of the rest of them. Um, so that one's probably my favorite, even though I'm not really a big White Sox fan. Um, yeah, so that, that's my hit for the the City Connect jerseys. Okay,
0: and, and your misses
2: is just everything else? <sighs> no, okay. Most of them are a miss, but I think there's really two in particular that they really jump out to me as, as the worst. Um, whatever San Diego tried to do with their uniform, I don't know who designed it, but they shouldn't be designing jerseys. Um, it looks like a, a mint green with like a, a hot pink or like a red on the, on the lettering and then the sleeves. It's just not a good color combination. Um, yeah, I don't like it. Um, and then I'm really not a fan of the Rockies um, City Connect jerseys. I know that, that one's been pretty highly regarded. It, I don't know. It, it, it To me, it looks like a promo, like, minor league baseball jersey night. I'm with you, actually.
0: See, that was my number one. That was the one I liked the most. And maybe that's because I was born in Colorado and I like the Rockies and I like I like the color green. And I just thought that that was, you know, the, the uniform p- – kind of paid homage to the mountains and uh you know it was that like i said predominate green look reflecting the states like pine trees like i i just loved it to death that was like my my number one and
2: you also i mean, I, I get like the you know thought behind it i just i don't know
0: i just thought from everything else that actually stood out as far as something that was was just a little bit better um you kind of stole my my miss which is also with the Padres I'm kind of gonna kind of sidestep that one um even though I you know I wrote it on our notes so that you could see it so uh but um I'm gonna go with Miami as far as my miss I just don't like the color scheme which is kind of too uh, vibrant too just uh, you know I understand it try to pay homage to the the city and and, you know it's culture and everything but it just kind of looks uh too Almost like what Dom said, forced when it comes to representation of the city. And it just it, it doesn't really shout to me that, that uh, that's a team from Miami. So I was not impressed. Uh, I had more to say uh, about the Padres, but uh, Dom kind of stole my thunder on that one. So
1: sorry. sorry. I think we can all agree the Padres have the worst.
0: <laughs> that's without a doubt. For sure. For sure.
1: It's like someone ate sherbert and just threw up on a design.
2: Honestly,
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're you're not lying. (laughs) All right, next we're gonna move on to uh,
0: the opinions on the MLB schedule for the next uh, year, as well as there's a new pitch timer um, rule coming out, bigger bases, and a shift restriction. So, Jeff, I'm gonna start with you of. with the shift streams and then move uh, kind of backwards?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Most of the rules I'm okay with that they're implementing, uh, but the banning of the shift I'm not into at all. Um, I just think that's part of baseball now. It's part of having to adjust and, you know, truly be a good hitter is you got to avoid whatever they can i mean i know how boring it can be sometimes where it's just out after out because these guys are able to shift and predict where you're going to hit with all these advanced stats and everything but not a fan of that but outside of that everything else i understand the uh the pitch clock i don't mind especially seeing these rules firsthand at the uh, Columbus Clippers with the minor league they've already in- implemented these rules and then kind of looking at it and seeing okay this this is working out. It's speeding up the game a little bit, even though they could, you know, step off and reset that timer. But it makes sense. Bigger bases, that makes sense. So,
2: all right. Dom, uh, what about you? I definitely like the pitch clock more than I thought that I did. Um, I went to a minor league game this past weekend and I actually kind of like saw it in action and I, I like it now that I actually see it in, in action. Um, the bigger bases, I, I don't really understand the reasoning for it. I think it's um, 15 inches to 18 inches. Right. I, I guess that gives you know people stealing bases or sliding into bases a little bit more of an advantage. Um, but I definitely disagree with banning this shift. Again, you're, you're a professional hitter. You should be able to adjust to whatever the defense throws at you. It's really not a hard concept to hit it opposite field or bunt down the third baseline. I get you know, advanced stats say just swing, don't worry about the shift, and, you know, all the, the hitting coaches are, you know, preaching launch angle and exit velo. It it just leads to strikeouts and people just grounding out into the shift. You know, there, there's no strategy behind it. So if you can't hit against the shift, I mean, really, how good of a hitter are you?
0: That That's very true. I mean, I, it's, I'm a proponent of this as well, and I think that it's – it's part, been part of Major League Baseball for an extremely long time, and it's just something that, that I don't see why it should be changed. The bigger bases, I'm definitely, uh, you know, for. It's, it's more of a player safety, and I think that I think it's going to be the most disadvantage to the catchers when it comes to their, their timing and stuff like that. Um, and so I think that you're going to see more stolen bases, um, and I, I think that, that, that I think that's going to be better for baseball in a way. Um, as far as the pitch timer, we've talked about that a lot, so I'm, I'm not going to go too much into that. Uh, but the kind of the second part of this conversation was about the change in Major League Baseball schedule. So if you're unaware that the Major League Baseball released their 162-game schedule for all 30 teams a few weeks ago, the number of games remains the same, but the way that those 162-game matchup, 62 game matchups are broken down will change starting 2023. Notably, for the first time, each Major League Baseball will go up against each other, uh, against the other 29 teams during the regular season. So, Beth, what is your take on all that?
1: I'm all for it. Uh, I like love me some interleague play, uh, especially like when the Reds and the Red Sox played earlier this year, and it was like realizing, like, man, this is the first time the Reds have been and Fenway and, you know, how many years we talked about earlier in an earlier episode. So I like seeing every team having to play each other. Okay. What about you, Dom?
2: I couldn't agree more. I I love it. You know, I, I think it's something that is really going to make the game better. You know, you you'll finally get to see teams that you don't really get to see that often. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the last time the guardians played you know, a lot, some of the teams out West, I know we did, you know, a little bit of a West coast trip this year, but you know, there, there's teams that I would love to see at progressive field and I haven't had a chance to see them yet. So I think it's going to be good.
0: Now, and I think I was trying to look at this, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. And, and I'm assuming that all teams have played each other at least once during the course of major league baseball history. Would I be correct in that assumption?
2: i would assume so mm-hmm. so
0: i guess my more of the question revolves around what teams have had the biggest gap not playing each other and, and that's kind of something i'd be interested in looking up
2: yeah i think another benefit to it is you won't see you know it, you know interdivision matchups so much like you know the the last part of the season the guardians still have like eight games against the twins and they only have like 20 games left it's like, it's ridiculous as how much, you know, teams play each other within the division and it it gets kind of boring.
0: Yeah. Because you, you've seen that same, you've seen that same amount of pitchers, you've seen their relievers. And so I think that this is going to de- definitely make things a little bit more competitive and, um, i just i can't as a fan i i'm very interested in this because like you said you're going to be able to see teams and players that you would never have been able to see you know maybe you know every 10 years or so and now you're going to be able to actually see them plausibly once a season so that that's just i mean everything it seems what they're doing is is going in the realm of doing it for safety and doing it for the fans and you can't really complain about that at all but i wouldn't complain about it Great. Who's made out and who is not? Uh,
2: one good, one bad. Dom, I'm going to start with you on this one. So I got a pretty surprising take for the team that I think won the trade deadline, and I'm going to say the New York Yankees. Um, I know that they've had a pretty big slump after the trade deadline, um, but things have kind of stabilized for them as of late. They're kind of finding their former again. Um, you know, you look at this team and all the injuries that they've had recently to their pitching staff, to their lineup, the slump that they were in would have been a lot worse if it wasn't for the players that they brought in at the trade deadline. They they reinforced their starting rotation. They reinforced their bullpen. Um, and then they brought in someone like Andrew Benatendi and Harrison Bader, who I know are injured right now. But, you know, when they're healthy, they're going to help stabilize that lineup. And I think they're going to be primed for a playoff run.
0: Yeah, Attendee has been crushing it.
2: Yeah, he was. The the Yankees have had surprisingly bad luck this year when it comes to injuries. Matt Carpenter was lighting the year on, like, he was just lighting the world on fire. And then he was out for the season, now Ben Attendee. Um, And then Michael King was having an amazing season. Now he's out for the year. But yeah, I I like the trades that they made, and I think it's going to really help them in the playoffs.
0: All right. Uh, What about your losers for the trade deadline?
2: So the team that I have that lost the trade deadline, I got to go with the Padres. You know They show this to us every year. They bring in a bunch of stars at the trade deadline. We wonder how they made that trade because we wonder how many prospects they have left to trade in the first place. But they bring in all these all-stars, and they underperform every year, and it's the same. You look at all that they traded away to get Juan Soto, and I I honestly don't know if they're going to make the playoffs at this point. Um, They're kind of – just playing 500 ball again. And you can't just keep trading away the future of your organization for guys that are making $300 million and expect to be able to put a winning team out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I agree with everything you just said. Jeff, what do you got, your winners and your losers?
1: Yeah, for my winners, I got the Braves. Uh, I think right now with the situation that they're in and that race with the Mets, uh, they actually finally – took first there for a second for the first time since like, what, April? Uh, I think part of that was that Rice-El trade that they got. Um, he's been amazing with them so far. Uh, in his 15 appearances, he's only allowed one run. Uh, he's got about 9.2 Ks per nine, and he's got a .0805 whip. So the only thing they gave up to get him was Davidson, and he is struggling in L.A. He's getting lit up every time he's out there. It's a pivotal time. You know, they're trying to not just get the playoffs, but they're trying to get that first in the East. So, it's a great time for them. You know, Robbie Grossman, he's been solid for them as well, getting him from the Tigers. Uh, So, I know that Iglesias, the way he's playing right now, he's not a closer I'd want to face going into the postseason.
0: No, no, not at
1: all. (laughs) And
0: we'll go back
1: uh, I got the Twins. So, I mean, for such a long time, they they're holding the lead in the AL Central, and here we are. We got that push, and Cleveland's taking over. The White Sox are improving, and they're not even probably going to make a wild-card spot if they keep playing like this. Um, I think the big thing that with them was getting Tyler Malley from the Reds, expecting him to be a great addition for them because they needed more starters. And he had two starts that lasted two innings got lit up both times and then he's got a shoulder issue and hit the IL so just did not pay off and they gave up one of their top prospects to the Reds to get him. so didn't see that paying off and then Jorge Lopez hasn't really been <laughs> that well, good for them either I thought he looked like a good start addition at first but they're they're sinking in that race and there's not a lot of time left especially the way the Guardians are playing.
0: Yeah, not at all. Well, it's funny you bring up the twins and the Reds because I have the Reds uh, farm system as the big winners when it comes down to to the the trade deadline. Uh, <laughs> actually, you know, obviously, they had that fire sale during the uh, off season, shipping out Castillo and and getting rid of uh, Drury and Tommy Pham at the deadline. Um, but you know, as a result, their top ten prospects are just phenomenal they got uh de La cruz uh, novelli Marte. i uh, almost just said his last name and didn't want to think it was somebody else but um <laughs> you've got arroyo you've got collier phillips uh you've got mclean williamson petty um you've just got uh, you know then adding spencer straight steer mm-hmm. is that um, you know, the number nine prospect from the twins. So, um, you know, you look at their, their farm system now is, is really in a top 10 producing farm system. And that's just, that's just phenomenal. So I think the, the, you know, give them a couple of years, maybe with these guys, but you know, down the road, it's going to look uh, pretty solid for you if, if they keep these guys uh, healthy and moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, there's potential to have one of the best infields in baseball here in a couple of years. And with getting all these prospects, we're actually the number four farm rated farm system, according to MLB pipeline. Now, uh, okay. Spencer's Steer, we called him up and he's been playing and, and that debut, he was actually the became the first red since 1932 to score a walk-off run in his MLB debut. And that was just a week ago. So yeah, I got them as winners too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was, I knew you'd be happy with that one. And uh, with the, the losers, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to uh, you know bow down and say that my Red Sox uh, just crapped the bed when it came to to this year and this trade deadline. I mean they traded away Vasquez and um, what was it Dykeman and they added Fam and Hosmer, but um, you know the, they just didn't do anything. They could have gotten somebody, you know, something for Nathan Navaldi. I mean, even J.D. Martinez, I think, should have been possibly shipped. Uh, they just had so many chips that they could have moved and possibly gotten some some quality players with, and they just did nothing. And I, it just really confused me. And I, I feel like the Red Sox have always done great during the trade deadline and even during the offseason to to get talent, and it just didn't seem like that happened this year, and it was just really disappointing. So they were definitely my, my losers who came to the trade deadline. Next, we are going to move on to the Major League Baseball standings. So, we're going to start in the American League East as always. And the New York Yankees are 85 and 56. Uh, They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. Did I say that right? I'm going to start over because I completely lost what I was doing. Then next, we're going to do our standings rundown. We're going to start with the American League East, and the New York Yankees are sitting at 85 and 56. They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. You've got the Tampa Bay Rays, 78 and 60. They are 7 and 3 in their last 10. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays, 78 and 61. They are 8 and 2 in their last 10. The um, Orioles are 73 and 67. They are 4 and 6 in their last 10. And Boston is 69 and 72. They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. Moving on to the American League Central, you've got Cleveland at 73 and 65. They're playing some 500 ball. You've got the White Sox at 72 and 69. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10. You've got uh, Minnesota at 69 and 70. They're 2 and 8 in their last 10. A little bit of a slide. Kansas City at 57 and 84. They are four and six in their last ten. And you've got Detroit at 54 and 86. They are also four and six in their last ten. American League West shows Houston at a 90 and 50. They are seven and three in their last ten. They are playing great. You've got Seattle on uh, a strong 79 and 61. They are also seven and three in their last ten. You got the Angels at 61 and 79. They are five and five in their last ten. They are also eliminated. You've got the Rangers at 60 and 79, 2 and 8 in their last 10. They are also eliminated. And you've got Oakland at 51 and 90, 2 and 8 in their last 10, also eliminated. Moving on to the National League East, you've got the Mets at 89 and 52. They are 6 and 4 in the last 10. Atlanta, 87 and 53. They are 8 and 2 in their last 10. You've got the Phillies at 78 and 62. They are six and four in their last 10. Moving on to Miami at 57 and 82. They are two and eight in their last 10. They are also eliminated. You've got Washington at 49 and 92. They are four and six in their last 10, also eliminated. National League Central has St. Louis at 83 and 58. They are seven and three in their last 10. And you've got the Brew Crew. 75 and 66, they are 6 and 4 in their last 10. You've got the Cubs at 58 and 81, they are 3 and 7 in their last 10, also eliminated. You've got the Reds at 56 and 82, they are 5 and 5 in their last 10, also eliminated. You've got the Pirates, 51 and 88, they are 2 and 8 in their last 10, they are also eliminated. And with the National League West, you have the Dodgers at 96 and 43, they are 6 and 4 in their last 10 you've got the Padres at 77 and 64 they are five and five in their last 10 you've got the Diamondbacks 66 5 and five in their last 10 also eliminated you've got the Giants 66 and 73 they are five and five in their last 10 also eliminated and the Rockies finishing it out 61 and 80 five and five in their last 10 also eliminated A lot of of eliminated teams in the National League, you know, that's kind (laughs) of surprising. So, what are some of your takeaways, uh, winners and losers and surprises when it comes to the standings running down? Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you on this one.
1: Yeah, I've got, uh, you know, Atlanta coming back and fighting. Uh, The Mets had that 10-and-a-half game lead, and now it's just deadlocked, you know, Atlanta. Two games ago, took the lead. Now the Mets are back on top, so it's really coming down to the wire. I did like uh, Jerry Seinfeld blaming the Diaz trumpet theatrics that they were doing at the uh, city field, being the reason why the Mets have blown this lead. (laughs) I thought that was pretty uh, interesting take. Uh, Milwaukee, they're like a full eight games behind St. Louis now, and they're really slipping for a wild card spot with the Phillies playing well, so I think – Milwaukee, you know, they might be right there on the fringe and not make it. Uh, Minnesota, like I was talking about earlier, they're just imploding. I mean, they're barely at 500, and I think they've pretty much lost the AL Central completely. And also, might not even get a wild card.
0: Dom, what about you? are your takeaways some some surprises for the standings rundown?
2: Yeah, not so much surprise. Starting with the American League East, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I kind of saw this coming. It looks like they've fallen back down to earth. I mean, they're they're in the probably the toughest division of baseball. So the fact that they were able to be competitive going into September is really impressive, and I'm pretty optimistic about the future of this team. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate because everyone thought that you know this could be a surprise team that makes a wild card. But you know, they're like you said, they're four and six in their last ten. The fact that they're above 500 is impressive but i don't think that they're going to be making a wild card spot um and then i guess another disappointment that i have is like jeff said the minnesota twins this is a team that you know going into september i thought could potentially win the american league central they've absolutely like you said imploded i'm also kind of surprised by how well the white Sox have been playing recently Um, Is it a coincidence that since Tony LaRouche has been out, the team has been a little bit better? Um, Probably not, but um, they're, they're looking pretty good. And I wouldn't be surprised if the American League Central race comes down to the final week of the season, if not the final game of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that the, the Guardians ever really expected themselves to be in this position, and it no, was really... no, no, they didn't. <laughs> if you listen to our, our our Ohioverse episode, we talked about the Guardians that they were just like, uh, "How did we get here?" So you know, uh, it, it, another team that's right by... Go ahead.
2: Oh, no, they're. I'm just really impressed by them. They're just a young, hungry team, and they don't quit. You know, it, they can be down into the ninth inning, and I've they came back. Uh, they were down like four runs in the ninth inning a couple weeks ago, and came back and won. And the team just doesn't quit, and then they play good fundamental baseball.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely uh, looking at the the Mariners as well. I mean, you know, seven three in their last ten. Uh, they beat Atlanta today. And uh, I think that they're they're coming on strong right at the right moments. Their their pitching staff has just been absolutely lights out uh, running down this stretch. So I think that they're gonna win, go out strong, and uh, possibly surprise uh, a few people. Come this postseason run. All right, moving on to the topic that everyone has been waiting for. This is Dom's chance to tell us all about his gm skills when it comes to his fantasy team so dom take it away
2: well okay so i guess you guys can tell by my reactions it's not going too well um the team kind of stumbled into the playoffs um i had the number one overall seed going into the last week of the season and the last couple weeks my team has just completely forgot how to hit and my pitchers have forgotten how to pitch um, anyone on my team besides Aaron Judge just hasn't really been doing anything for me. Um, so the final three weeks of the season, I think I lost two and won one and finishing second based on points scored. And first round of the playoffs, I am currently losing 877 to 698. Um, so definitely not winning this matchup. I'm going to be in the consolation round fighting for third place, which, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but when I was the number one team pretty much all season to just get shellacked in the first round of the playoffs is disappointing. Um, The team put up a good fight today, scored 169 points, but I left some points on the bench. Um, It just doesn't help that the guy that I'm playing scored 214 today. So, Mm. you know, overall, I think I regret the Jacob deGrom trade, but – I honestly don't think that he would have helped me in this situation. It would have been nice to have 30 points to start from him, but when I'm losing by, you know, 115, 120 points, having Jacob deGrom really wasn't going to change much for me. For
0: sure. I, I you know, and if you if you're just tuning in, you haven't been paying attention next year Uh, we are going to uh, have a fantasy team between the three of us and and we're going to be having some head-to-head competition so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about and and, uh, talk crap to each other about uh, how we're going to beat each other in fantasy baseball so (laughs) i'm looking forward to that very much all right moving on to our last topic and it's jeff and his baseball card collection and jeff i'm just going to let you kind of go freestyle on this what do you got
1: yeah so this week for you guys uh i decided since i didn't really get anything interesting for uh my baseball cards i kind of fallen in with my uh, football card addiction i just ended up going out and getting two packs and uh you had the idea on the last one to do a live break so i was like oh i'll do that i think that sounds kind of interesting so i'm gonna get the uh camera set up so you guys can see what i'm opening up and try to be like a professional card breaker here so i got two little packs for you guys they're pretty common where you can find anywhere we got the old 1988 wax packs those are super common mass overproduced but you know they're just fun to open you can get those about anywhere and then i got this year's heritage cards uh from tops uh this is the fat pack so i just like these ones they heritage they come out with every year and it's throwback designs instead of your new ones so uh this year the design's from 1973 so, figured since in a way that's a little older, we'll go ahead and in a way, but it's the recent players with the throwback logos. So, those cards always end up looking pretty clean. If I can open this up, wow, TikTok would be roasting me.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is funny when you see some of these professional card breakers on TikTok and they're wearing gloves and you just know how much money they pour into this stuff.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. So let's start off with Catel Marte. Let's see, we got JT Romuto, Manuel Margot, Chris Flexen, Roberto Clemente. Oh, that's a nice one. Nice little throwback. They got the old school backs on them too. They come with the old old stats. Got Travis Darno, Steven Piscotty. Hey, we got Ron Franco's uh, rookie card. Now with these, these are what people are looking for, but they come with the alternate designs. There's one where this logo, instead of the circle with the color, it'll be inverted and it'll be black. And then the player logo, instead of being the shadow, will be a color. Those are the only ones that are really worth something. Uh let's see, we got our 2021 batting leaders. You got Fran Mel Reyes, who's what, now a Cub? <laughs> Buster Posey, home run leaders, Hoy Park's rookie card, Alexandros, who is killing it with the White Sox. What's up with that? Let's see. We got an all-time save leader, Mariano Rivera. Since that one was flipped, that might be a short print. Might have to look that one up. Gio Urshela, Robbie Ray, Nick Madrigal, Elton Varsho, and Kevin Biggio. So it's actually a so, pretty solid pack with those three. What do you mean by a short print? Short print is uh, a card that is not as mass produced as the other cards. Uh, A lot of these base cards, you know, you'll get thousands of, but these are in limited runs, limited supplies. So it's always something to look for. Most of the time they'll be flipped over like that. Or if you ever get any, uh, a lot of people look for the Chrome cards that you can get out of these packs. So that'll end up coming up as well. So anything like that, it could be a little technically rarer
0: okay
1: so and all that was a pretty decent pack and those are cheap you can pretty much find those anywhere any kind of retailer Myers, uh walmart target all that sometimes you do have to get them online and then we got a little old school pack for you guys because why not these are always fun to open, no matter how many cards they have all right you guys ready ready for the gum Oh yeah.
0: So, so that's what the thirty-year-old gum right there.
1: That's right. <laughs> so the bottom, I'm about I'm used to it now. Taste? You know what? This one was actually really good. Sometimes you get them, and it's just oh, they're just horrible that you can tell. This one's actually still got some gum flavor flavor to it. So a little interesting. This one I'm just kind of going to go through. We'll see if we get anything good. All right. This was uh pretty rough pack back in the day. Lou Whitaker, they just uh, retired his number this season for the Tigers. So that's pretty much about it. So that's about how those ones go.
0: (laughs) How much do those packs run then?
1: I actually, uh, the the, uh, hobby shop that I go to has those. They'll actually set out uh, different ones. It depends which ones they end up setting out, but they end up selling those wax packs for 50 cents a pack. So... I always like to see that deal. Um, they'll have the Fleer packs from that era. They'll have uh, the Don Russ. So a lot of stuff from that, you know, the junk wax era. But, again, you get them that Jeep, they're fun to open.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And there's a, still the plausibility that you could get a gem out there that could definitely be worth a little bit of change, right?
1: Mm-hmm. The one with that one uh, that you look for is there's a Don Mattingly, not his base, but a variation where it's a picture of him and his hat doesn't have the Yankees logo and it doesn't say Yankees on the front. It actually says the New York dash AL. And yeah, that's one of those cards that are a little more sought after or a little more rare. There's actually only one that I found that's a PSA grade of 10, you know, a gym mint condition. So maybe one day we'll get lucky.
0: Definitely. For sure. We'll, we'll keep on doing this and then, Oh, one of these times you're gonna you're gonna look out. So, <laughs> all right, moving on to our final topic. It is one fact about baseball, something that you did not know, and we are gonna try to stump each other and or surprise each other. So, Dom, were you able to find something that you could stump us with?
2: Yes, and I was pretty surprised by this. You know, they say baseball is America's pastime, right? So you would think that the oldest ballpark would be in America, right? But it's not. It was established in 1877. Lebeck Park in London, Ontario, Canada is the oldest ballpark in the world. Really?
0: I did not know
2: that. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's pretty good. All right, Jeff, what do you got?
1: Yeah, mine's a weird one. So this is one about some rules. Uh, One that I definitely didn't know. I don't know if you guys did. So Uh, I found evidence of it as well. Uh, So what happens if a batter comes up and bats out of order? My example Uh, for it was. They'd be be out, right? Well, it depends. Uh, So here's what the situation was. Uh, A few years ago, it was Giants-Dodgers, and there was a runner on second for the Giants. Buster Posey comes up. He was actually out of order. He bats and he hits. Uh, he hits a ball, flies, scores it down the uh, the uh, first base line, ends up getting an RBI double, run comes in and scores. And then after the bats completed, the Dodgers challenged him for being out of order. So what happens? So the way that they the the official that I saw broke this one down, they said that if there's a batter that comes up and is out of order, and while the at-bat is still going on, the other team challenges, all they're going to do is replace them with the correct batter, and then they'll continue the at-bat. However, most other teams are going to realize they're going to wait until the at bat's completed, and they have to appeal right after the at-bat is completed. But if they do so, the improper batter will be listed as out, and this is assuming they got on base. The improper batter will be listed as out, and the any of the runners that advance, anything that happened during the at-bat and as a result to their hit, everything has to go back. So in this case, the run that scored had to go back to second. Posey was listed as an out. And then they had to bring up the proper next batter, which ended up being Posey. So then he had to bat again. And he ended up getting an out, and they wasted their, their shot. So I thought that was a strange one I had never seen.
0: That's so, interesting. Right? The out, like, so the batter that was supposed to go up, what the, he never gets a chance to bat. Then that, is that considered the out? Is the batter that never actually batted? Right. Uh, that's that's interesting. That hmm. Makes no sense, but okay. Well, well, we'll move forward on that one. Right. All right. So mine, mine's a little bit uh, odd as well, and we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier, but. Uh, we all have, you know, beards and mustaches, right? Well, yeah. well the last, uh, the year is 1914 was the last year a player played in the Major League Baseball sporting ha- facial hair until 1972. So there was a huge gap between 1914 and 1972, and not one single Major League Baseball player had facial hair. And in 1972, the Oakland Athletics showed up with mustaches, first as a gag, and then as a dare when the owner said he'll pay them $300 each to keep the mustaches. Then, as superstition, they kept on winning, and the, they won the World Series that year. So, the mustaches won a World Series after you know a huge hiatus of, of you know, 50 plus years. So, I thought that was kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's a little uh postseason magic, kind of like the uh hockey players that they don't shave Ooh. once the playoffs start. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that does it for this edition of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. Thanks again to Dom and Jeff for joining me this evening. Make sure you download us on everywhere you can get your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, and all that. And until next time baseball is america's pastime
2: we hope that you enjoyed this episode of on deck as much as we have
0: you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at deep.dive.sports
2: or download us through amazon apple or wherever else you get your podcasts
0: as always we are on deck presented by deep dive sports until next time